1: the creative industries are hopefully going to thrive in this era of technology because it's what makes us fundamentally human Uh, in fact I had someone joke to me the other day that uh, they could imagine themselves in 20 years time sitting down with their kids saying now daughter I'd like you to make sure you study music as well as your law degree so that you have something to fall back on (laughs)
2: You're listening to Women Tech Charge from the Evening Standard with me, Anne-Marie Imapadon. What happens when you have a potential number one on your hands but need people to hear it? Can technology really create music that we actually like? In this episode, I'm talking to a woman who's working on these two things and many more, and she's also got one foot literally in the past and one foot in the future of music. Adjust your headphones, we're getting started i'm sat here two miles south of the historic abbey road studios only 50 years after the release of the classic beatles album of the same name with a woman who is leading the studios into the future Her tech incubator called Abbey Road Red was the first of its kind in Europe when it launched back in 2015 and is bringing together academic researchers, music tech entrepreneurs and pioneering sounds to create the music our grandchildren will really enjoy or maybe our children or people in between. Welcome to the podcast, Isabel Garvey, Managing Director of Abbey Road Studios.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) Thanks for coming.
2: So that was a teeny tiny intro there to Abbey Road Red. Um. But you're manager of Abbey Road Studios and Abbey Road Red. That is correct. A lady of many musical hats. (laughs) What's the official tagline, strapline, elevator pitch for Abbey Road Red?
1: Um, good question. <laughs> uh, the pitch is that we want to help music tech, um, kind of accelerate and uh, elevate itself as quickly as possible. There's a lot of really exciting technology out there, and music actually historically has been quite a difficult industry to get into, um, and kind of break through from a technology perspective. So we want to go in grassroots and uh, and help and assist these businesses to make their technology success and you you started it it was your initiative whilst you were
2: running Abbey Road Studios for anyone who doesn't know what I mean I don't know if we can even ask this question for anyone who's forgotten what Abbey Road Studios is quick rundown
1: I guess if you can condense all of that mm -hmm. history yeah I mean we are we're the most famous recording studio in the world (laughs) um and as you mentioned in your intro you know this year is the anniversary of the album the Beatles album the Abbey, Abbey Road that gave the studio its name. Before then, it was actually called EMI Studios, which is not a, a sexy cool, title. No. Yeah. We are a, uh, a studio environment where artists come every day to record and we have a reputation for this amazing heritage that we're very proud of and all the artists that have been through the doors to date. But I also sit in my office and see all the contemporary artists of today running through. So um, yeah, we're but we're kind of a bit of everything. My remit in the role actually was to take this amazing studio brand and see what we can do with it to expand the appeal to music makers and to people beyond it so we we have studios where people record there's also something called mastering which is kind of finishing off a record Mm -hmm. Um, but then in the on the technology side we have audio products which is kind of digitized old um, equipment that is in the studio oh, right. um, uh, we have the abbey road red incubator which is very much targeted at the startup world mm-hmm. um, and we've built an education brand as well so yes. we um, have an
2: abbey road institute, abbey road right? institute yep, which
1: offers a diploma in engineering and production and then we did kind of the no-brainer thing as well uh, which is build a store we have a shop <laughs> because we have over three hundred thousand people come to our crossing to try and replicate that album cover Every year, and they can't come into the studio because we're a working professional environment, but we're trying to create something that at least is a bit of a destination in the I've, shop.
2: I've seen that on TV before, mm. but I was so I came to Abbey Road Studios a couple
1: of months ago, yeah. and,
2: and I was kind of uh, disappointed actually that there weren't more people trying to cross the road <laughs> kind of that way, but also how many cars were on the road given that that is something that's liable to happen at any point, people just kind of standing. Yeah,
1: standing I think it's of. the local residents. I have got used to it. Not that they love it, but they've say, got they used to it. it. <laughs> They're in the background
2: of every all those images that go yeah, around the world. Yeah,
1: but no. Remarkably, everyone stayed very safe on safe on that cross. This yes, is good. You yeah. should
2: you should always look both both ways. Yeah, and observe the green cross code uh, when you do go and visit Abbey Road Studios. Yeah. Um. So this it's crazy. I think when you think of studios, technology is basically all you do there, right? Because it, it's there to you're there to digitally. Yeah, capture music that's being made. Yeah, exactly. And yet, something like Abbey Road Red, which is bringing in the tech industry on purpose to mm-hmm. be in that kind of environment, to build their business around it, was something that was so new
1: yeah well ironically it, it actually all bubbled up from looking back at history mm-hmm. um because uh, emi um back in the day when it was kind of fully vertically integrated they made the recording desks they made all of the equipment as well as kind of owning hmv as a as a retail outlet so they right. had they owned it all the way through um but there was a the way we got the name Abbey Road Red. Even there was this, there was a, a department called R E D D Research and Development Department. Okay, um, and they um, they were. Uh, looking at modern technology you know surround sound was was uh, invented by one of the EMI engineers oh, no I didn't know that. Yeah so uh, Alan Bloomline is the guy who invented surround sound and actually invented it decades before it was actually kind of uh, available to consumers mm-hmm. um, and there are all of these kind of pointers all the way through our history where EMI engineers or indeed just by artists trying to break the rules and, mm-hmm. and do something really different with tape machines kind of came up with new ways of making music or new ways of stretching. Technology. So there's this, the creative process has actually hugely informed how the technology is involved in the studio. Um, And that hadn't gone away. And so I actually had a lot of people, I've been at Abbey Road for years. um, And when I went in, there were a lot of people really keen to do something again. And, you know, gone are the days when you can just invent it yourself and have an R&D team. So we thought the most interesting way and actually the most helpful way to do it was to engage a startup community and try and bring this this amazing technology back into the studio. And I think the re- really kind of life-affirming and assuring thing is that um, artists are really interacting with it when they do come in and we kind of have a box of tricks that we can wheel that out. Sounds, which is that sounds so amazing. Yeah.
2: Um, I want to go back, so you've been there for four years. Mm how does one become managing director at the Abbey Road Studios? Uh, I don't know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wish I had like this linear route that I could explain that it was all part of a master plan (laughs) since I was 18. Um, I had been in the music industry for about, I guess, 12 years or so. I I started my life back in the day. It's part of my history. I tried to like Barry, because oh, it's I not see. very cool. Okay. But Podcast I was in, in, safe, in safe environment. <laughs> back out. I was in finance for um, about uh, seven, eight years, okay. and then made a very serendipitous move into music. Right, and I grew up in the industry as technology actually became a massive threat to the industry, where okay. you know we were at the height of um, Napster and illegal downloads, and I, Apple, h- had just launched iTunes as I started in the music business. Um, And actually being a young person in a hugely disrupted industry kind of almost worked to my advantage because Mm -hmm. there were new positions and jobs people hadn't imagined um, that were suddenly opened up. Um, So I kind of worked my way through at EMI. Uh, moved on to Warner Music. What kind of tech roles were you doing at that point? In so when at EMI, when I went in first, I was actually working for the then CEO uh, and chairman of the music side of the business. Mm-hmm. And his question to me was, right, digital is now 1% of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we going to look like when it's 50%? Okay. <laughs> which was not an easy question no. to answer at that stage. <laughs> and tell me what the lottery numbers are <laughs> yeah, next week. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but that was, you know, everyone saw it coming. We just didn't know quite know how it was going to manifest itself. Yeah. Um, and so I worked in that role kind of uh, thinking prob- more strategically about how digital was going to impact the business and how we set, more importantly, how we staffed up and kind of got teams ready to deal with it. Okay. And then the natural evolution was then that I went into a business development role in digital Um, for EMI globally Mm -hmm. Um, and I did that for about a year or 18 months and then I was headhunted across to Warner Music. It's funny to think that you were you were kind of fighting I
2: guess fighting is a hard word to say but when we when they tell the story of how it's all happened Mm -hmm. it is quite it does sound like a battle or like a war almost between the technology and the music. Yeah. So it's funny to think that you were there kind of in the middle trying to yeah, it was it was a really it yeah, yeah it was a
1: really interesting time. I think it was the Napster and illegal downloads hit the industry, you know, pretty right much. in the face. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I think the industry reacted pretty quickly. It was just how quickly we went from album downloads to essentially a singles world world with a ninety nine pence iTunes download, mm-hmm. and then the world shifted again to uh, streaming. And yeah. I, you know, I was on the team at Warner negotiating that first Spotify deal no when way. they moved out of Sweden so we were trying to do the European deal and it was you know it was frustrating for everybody technology company and record labels um but it was hard to fathom at that stage because you thought, God, we've just like the CD is, you know, in decline. <laughs> we've now got downloads. Yeah. It's looking good again. And now here comes streaming that's possibly going to cannibalize downloads. And what are we going to do? And, you know, we wanted to do the deal, but it was just everything was moving so fast. But the deal did get done. Do, do you think the technologists had an idea of what was coming? Do you think
2: Do you think yeah. they were in some, in some way they were, you know, they had the upper hand. They were in, a bit more in control than maybe the music...
1: No, I giants. don't know. I think at that stage it it had all aligned again. I mean, ultimately Spotify doesn't work without the rights, so yeah, you know yeah. they kind of need each other. I think mm. what was really good in the Spotify example in particular was Sweden was almost like the ultimate case study. Okay. So you know the reason I, I can't remember the numbers now, but you know they they did a deal with the n- major national internet provider, and mm-hmm. so we're in the they were part of the broadband offering. almost. Okay. So it kind of it presented a picture of where we are today, essentially, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is, you know, imagine every home being having super high-powered broadband. Exactly. Imagine mobiles that can, you know, do the same. Yeah. And actually, all you want is your entire library in your pocket. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They're still at scale. This works. Mm. So it, there was kind of a case study there. It was just persuading the rest of the world that actually... Sweden could replicate everywhere yeah Yeah. but no I think it there was definitely a a stage where the industry was behind but I think we caught up quickly but it was just yeah how quick how much do you adjust and what's you know how far do you how far do you allow
2: someone to do bits and pieces I think the other the other whispers or the other conversation has been you know we're never going to be paid the same the money's never Mm going to be made the same and Mm -hmm. at the end of the day you know, as much as we love music, sometimes we have to pay rent and pay mortgages and pay for food. So I think that's the other thing that still, for me, looks like something where there's still not really a happy agreement in this is the way that that artist is going to make money or that, uh, record is going to make money.
1: Yeah, I don't. I, I, f- I mean, that's a very politically tricky one to answer. Hard <laughs> um, hitting questions here yeah, on the Women yeah. podcast. Um, I think now that we're in a world of uh, at scale and streaming, I think it's starting to simmer down, and there are definitely tweaks that the industry has responded to to make sure that artists are paid correctly. But mm. I think in all of this, debate, people forget that actually the amount of people looking on watching on YouTube, rather, which is a whole, you know, I'm not of that generation, but there's a whole generation that have grown up uh, and are coming on YouTube. And that's not a paid for environment. Um, And yet we kind of, we vilify Spotify or Mm -hmm. whoever else, you know, Mm -hmm. so I don't know, I think it'll find its equilibrium. At the end of the day, the world, the the world needs music, we Mm. need artists, we want them to be able to kind of sustain themselves. Mm -hmm. And so... The industry and well, everyone is kind of working towards that, and technology is working towards that.
2: Cool. So, you were leading the charge, you're on the front of the battlefield on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At Warner. <laughs> yeah. Then, how do we go from. That kind of because it's quite a different setup yeah. back to running a studio. Yeah.
1: So I I left Warner and then did some kind of consulting on my own. And you learn a bit about yourself when you work on your own. And <laughs> I'm not very good at working on my own. <laughs> is the conclusion. Great team player. Yeah. Great yeah. leader. Yes. Yeah. No. I um I enjoyed it. it. Was right for that time in my life. But I yeah I need people. And I'm yeah I'm definitely kind of like to bounce ideas off people. So you learn. Um, I actually got a phone call I'm very lucky through my life I've had nice. some good phone calls <laughs> um, and I got a phone call saying Universal are looking for someone to run Abbey Road Studios no um,
2: did, you, did you know the person did it sound like a prank
1: no no it was a proper it I know, I knew the headhunter I was oh, like wow. this is legit okay um but uh, I said I initially said no. I'm not going back to a major record label because I ultimately Abbey Road's owned by Universal, mm. and they said no, no. You've got to hear them out. They have great plans, and you know they want a really entrepreneurial approach to to this amazing brand. I was like, really? Okay, okay. I'll go and see them. <laughs> I mean, and the rest is history. Yeah. you don't turn down a job at Abbey Roads Studios. <laughs>
2: How much free reign did they give you over putting together something like Abbey Road, uh, Abbey Road Red?
1: Uh, a, a massive free reign. Okay. Um I think that when I arrived there, there were a few a few things on the strategic agenda that um, we agreed with and were going ahead anyway. But no, Red was something we kind of dreamed up ourselves and, and got great support from the get go. Yeah. And mechanically, how does Red work? So do people? Because with
2: an incubator, normally people have the idea already, have the company already or early stages, Hmm. they apply for a process, they maybe get funding, they maybe get space. Mm -hmm. How much of that is mirrored in the Abbey Road Red program itself?
1: Um, So we are... Yeah, we're we're very careful to say we're an incubator, not an accelerator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so we take a small amount of equity from the companies that join us, and we what makes us unique is we put a completely bespoke program around the businesses that we take on board. We okay. don't take very many; we take five or six a year. Right, and the businesses that we do pick, then we build a very bespoke um program around them, with our. You own abbey road people mentoring the businesses but also we've a huge extended mentor network so you know whether you want marketing advice or brand advice or you know deep tech advice we have all the, the resources to pull on um and we work with them intensively over the six months period obviously we also give them our brand platform to shout about their technology yeah um and ultimately we want to prepare them and help them to get the, the programme is six months long, at the end of the six months to be ready for a financing round so that okay. they're kind of ready to go to the next level. Yeah. And then once a year we do an event, Um, we call it a demo day, but essentially where they kind of pitch their technology to a room full of music industry types, financiers, marketeers, anyone again that's going to help them on the rest of their journey. Just to level up and yeah. scale up. Yeah. What kinds of technology do you ask for? What types of technology do you get? We've had a really eclectic mix, actually. We don't have any um, kind of preconceived ideas of what technology we're looking for. Um, So we're kind of following market trends to a degree. And then I think there are are certain technologies that will gravitate towards us. Mm -hmm. Um, So at the moment, we're in a particularly kind of AI driven uh, cohort mm-hmm. but we have had a hardware where you know there are people um, manufacturing earphones and they were trying to replicate um, true immersive audio in the headphone which is uh, oh, it's wow. very hard to do okay. um, we've had businesses that do um, uh, uh, what am I trying to say uh, mastering but computer mastering where you don't need a person. Um so algorithmically driven mastering. Um and we've had a business called Crates that um did a direct to vinyl so you could you could send your your recording off and they would put it into onto vinyl for you. But the vinyl's expensive the beauty of their business model was you could um just pick twenty and design your own artwork and send it to all your friends.
2: You also mentioned AI there, yeah. artificial
1: intelligence. Yeah. Which I
2: think is something that fascinates people so so ai is fascinating in itself people mm. you know robots making decisions on things without us interacting and um, i talk about ai in often actually in the talks mm. that i give and always give certain examples so i always show the example of um deep mind where they taught yeah. it how to play brick breaker yeah. and kind of people always got smart by that and i talk about um do not pay which mm-hmm. is the kind of ai parking ticket type platform where if you get a parking ticket it'll kind of write your appeal letter for you (laughs) but the other one i always show is is ava yeah um and the video i show is um it's a big human orchestra playing in this music that's really rousing really exciting i think it's like national luxembourg day or something and i say to people you know who has what's the name of the composer of this piece of music and they sit there and they're like hmm uh and, they're all, and you can see them being like, is it this? Oh, no, maybe it's not. Oh, no, move that way. And it and it's AVA, which is this artificial mm. intelligence virtual assistant, I Yeah, they've, they've called it. How much of that sort of thing do you see coming through? We're seeing
1: more and more of that yeah. come through now. And And again, in different... Excuse me, in different guises. Mm. But yeah, it's definitely, what was the prevailing trend of 2018? I'm sure it'll continue into 2019. Oh, AI itself, Mm -hmm. just for you. What sorts of stuff have you had coming through? So we've had um, uh, everything from, uh, we had Voclia, which is a business that um, creates actually hardware into one degree in that there's a microphone that you can beatbox into. But what it's actually doing is machine learning your voice. Um, So... Uh, The pitch for voclia is you've been using your voice for your entire life. It's the one instrument you know how to play. Um, So, you know, this is it's funny talking about this because it always makes me do my trumpet noise. Um, But, you know, you can go into the microphone and it knows you're attempting to do a to make a trumpet sound and will convert it into what's called a MIDI file, which is essentially well an electronic version of uh, trumpet. Yeah. And there you go. There's your trumpet sound and you can layer up and up and you have another sound that you make that's a guitar and you can essentially compose on this microphone and this microphone is learning you so my trumpet sound won't be the same as your trumpet sound. Although we sound very trumpet-like. That sounded very (laughs) trumpet-like.
2: Thank you. (laughs) I've been practicing.
1: (laughs) Um, So we have that kind of, you know, kind of more, I guess, tangible AI in that you can kind of see it and you get feedback straight away. Mm. Um, We have, have another business called HumTap, which is... Kind of more consumer-facing AI, and it's not dissimilar to what you've just described with uh, Aiva or Ava or how yeah. you say it. Mm. Um, in that you, well, you hum or you tap into on your mobile phone, and it is doing all of the same things that Aiva doing is doing on a much more simple level so yeah. it's listening to the tone and the pitch that you're delivering into the device and then actually translating that into a composition and essentially the computer is composing based on some pieces of input we you should give try it. that on the podcast we should try it we should it. give that a try actually i bet we'll be really good i know maybe this will be where we quit our job and is it
2: I'm touring yeah with our robots exactly yeah, yeah. we've got all the connections
1: anyway um but yeah so we have that and then you know our most recent intake is a business called LifeScore which um, actually isn't at scale yet where it's using AI but you can see how it plays out. It's actually founded by a composer and what he's doing is he's teaching the computer. He describes it as Lego box, which I think is a great way to think about it. Um, he teaches the computer the kind of almost compositional rules. If you think of a piece of music as blocks building, what rules would you put around it to make sure that your uh, your composition keeps moving? So he's about generous of composition that just keeps going. Um and so at scale, the AI then has to make all of those the kind of connections so it itself. So if you say
2: you want it like a two
1: day long piece of music, it key, will make a two yeah. day long.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah. And,
1: you know, it can it can interact with. And so if you if you wanted to interact with your gyroscope and it changes depending on whether you're facing north or south yeah. or the weather. I mean, this is the way the world is going. We're told yeah. is that, you know, we'll have much more adaptive, reactive music. Oh, wow. Hmm you know, you and I have spoken about this before, it can appear kind of slightly scary and, oh God, are the computers going to start composing things and that sounds, uh, you know, it just sounds a bit... Chip-tune. Yeah. And actually, these these technologies will, you know, either provide a fun, like Humtap, a, a fun outlet where, you know, I'm not particularly gifted at playing any instrument, <laughs> but, you know, suddenly I can kind can of play... It, a tune and down. I can lay a tune down and make my <laughs> fame and fortune. <laughs> Um, To, you know, Iva or any of those where they're actually serving as kind of compositional aids or like, you know, if you have slight writer's block in the studio, like if only I could think of a, you know, a chorus to go with my verse or Mm. whatever it may be, Mm. that actually being able to whip out... um, you know any kind of compositional ai driven tool that you kind of go oh actually there's a few ideas i think i'll work on something like that and you either do it yourself or you use the thing that the computer came up with so that's ai overlapping with mm. with music what other
2: things are you seeing or what are you hoping to see because i think ai is one of those trends that is is so broad there's so many mm. things that can count as ai i can say that ai but then there are so many other things of the options I guess if you you know you're talking about physical computing mm. are there any other trends that you're hoping to see overlap with music um in future cohorts perhaps yes <laughs>
1: um what do you want to see yeah I, we're probably it probably does come back to ai in some shape or form mm. like i think you know the obvious one is the l- lyrical aids which again aren't yeah. kind of new but in songwriting if you can get the 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 technology to actually help you with the composition can you then help it with writer's block around lyrics or, yeah. yeah and that's not new like I think David Bowie even used a verbalizer I think it was called but it, it was it was a quick and dirty kind of um, computer program he used based on artists. I can't remember which artist it was now, but they used to cut out words from the newspaper, throw them up in the air and then kind of see how they like. Like really? it's literally a randomizer okay. of kind of um, words and sentences yeah. to just, you know, jog your mind. In fact, we ran a ha- ran a hackathon in November and um, the winner was uh, a business called Rappel that rapped back at you in context. So, you know, it's coming. <laughs> um, but that that would be interesting. Um and I, I think then we are obviously being a studio, we always love a good bit of tech that is about the the kind of the old format of music making, but possibly using technology. Like a colleague was telling me the other day about a business he found that is, uh, has created almost a drumstick that will play any surface. Right. So you can kind of start That's to really get really cool, cool yeah. sounds and it digitizes it. So there's all sorts of like funky things that are coming out but um, there's no one big thing that we think gosh if only we had that I think we're being kind of hit from yeah I think, I
2: think the nice thing is that it is all about the creativity of mm-hmm. it all mm-hmm. and I think more than possibly any of the other kind of themes that we might have been able to explore actually on the podcast mm-hmm. this is something where you're not building tech necessarily to completely solve a problem and end mm-hmm. something happening mm-hmm. you're building technology to help humans do something yeah which which I think, I mean, I, I don't want to say, you know, I'd pick in a favourite, but I think it, there's something quite noble about yeah, helping extend human endeavour rather than just trying to solve a problem.
1: Yeah, I know. I think it's exactly that. And there's there's a lot of, you know, as with any technology, there's a lot of stuff that's happening in the studio that actually if you could take the very rudimentary stuff away with technology that frees up because the people in the studio are creative geniuses you Mm -hmm. know so if they can actually spend their time focusing on the 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 more kind of making and the creative Mm -hmm. stuff rather than the mundane task of checking eq or whatever on uh, a track then that's a good thing Mm. um but uh, yeah, I, th- I, don't, I don't know if i go as far as saying it's noble, but I think I definitely buy into a future where, you know, certainly we believe studios will still be res- uh, relevant. People are, you know, why do we connect with artists? We connect with them because because of their music and because of their lyrics and we can relate to them as people. Mm. So I don't see technology. I, I can't imagine myself at a concert with robots. Um, I might go for the novelty what, value. What, mosh putting
2: <laughs> next to robots or watching the mo- robots Watching sing. the robots sing, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. But
2: you know, I think that would be kind of cool to go to. Once, once, maybe. once. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know if I'll be on their 10th tour.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
2: So you've done a lot of different things. I've seen a lot of different things in the music industry. What, what has stayed constant in your time? of Everything you've seen, all the roles you've done. Hmm what's something that you not that you hope won't change but that hasn't changed
1: uh the creativity is the, oh, really the simple yeah i mean and that's look why am i still in the music industry i absolutely love that combination of creativity and you know commercially trying to get it out there mm. um and you know that that there are there are two viewpoints that that don't necessarily always agree with each other so there's this there's always a like but a nice tension a kind of a happy tension and i love that because i i did work in an industry full of a type people and everyone thought the same as me and i love mm. being in an industry exposed to so many different brains and so many creative people and that just hasn't changed i mean through all of the disruption the one constant was that people still want really good music and mm. you need the people to go find it and nurture it mm-hmm. and hasn't changed
2: i mean that is the other thing i always say i mean as much as you might have the robots making some of this music they're not listening to it no exactly yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) we still need to be part of that equation yeah 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 exactly they're not doing that instead of us um so you have you kind of grew up with technology you weren't trained in it Mm. specifically Mm. how do you keep up to date with what those tech trends would be or even just the technology itself so like the you know, the basis of what's happening behind yeah. the
1: scenes? I think I have a natural curiosity for it. Okay. Um, uh, but also, uh, I, I guess I've lived it. It's been easy because the, the at the core of my role was this kind of big disruptor and what was going on. And you can't. I don't think you can be successful without understanding it at some level. I mean, yeah. I can name you a few coding languages. I have no idea how to code. Mm. Although, if you sent me to a desert island think I'd just Keep go learn time, how to yeah. code. <laughs> <laughs> um, it appeals to the geek in me. Um, but in terms of staying on top of the trends, I mean, obviously I have people who are living and breathing it with red every day. So I kind of suck as much information as out as of as them as possible. Yeah. And then I just read what's out there. I think it's very well covered. And actually, I think it's kind of come out of that very masculine kind of um, geeky kind of reportage. I think it's actually it's done very well now where it's easy to kind of connect with what's going on and there's always a human interest story around it. It's not just about ones and zeros.
2: So, and you mentioned kind of the masculine side of things. Mm -hmm. I think that's the other thing that's really funny. So we've worked together previously on stuff looking yeah. at music and tech and women and girls in particular mm-hmm. and I remember initially so we, we did it with them um, Telefonica 02 the right, the, yeah. the um, mobile network and I remember originally them putting together the press release for it all and putting out the numbers and saying I think it's something like 11% of music producers are women um, and in technology it's at least it's 17% of those <laughs> working in tech are women so it's a bit like yeah this is an industry that's slightly worse I yeah, guess on yeah, this side yeah. of things how I mean what how much do you feel like women are missing especially in something like music tech mm-hmm. versus music versus technology and what what is that meaning for us in our enjoyment of the industry
1: yeah um so i think in music in its broader sense certainly on in on the kind of the major label side it's actually coming up to speed quite quickly mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't when I started but um, it's not quite 50-50 but it's getting closer although there aren't and enough in women in terms of artists you mean no or... it just people working in the industry okay. Yeah, um, but it's not um there aren't enough senior women. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if you start boiling it into kind of artists and everything, it's probably 50-50, but who's getting most of the airplay and concert headlines? And that's the debate kind of raging at the moment. Mm. Um, And then if you look at technology... Um, I actually I have to hold my hand up and say I haven't found a female founder yet, and we, you know we are out there scouting for businesses. And she, I she's listening to the podcast. Yeah, I hope yeah. she is because I would applying. love. Isabel's waiting for you. Yeah, I'd love to have one. You know, the businesses themselves that we um, that have been through our incubator have had good balances of men and women working yeah. in them, although not very many women coders. Yeah. Um, uh, but no, I still haven't found the female founder. And then if you go into music production, which is on, more on the studio side, it is terrible. As you said, it's mm-hmm. worse than technology. We do not have enough women. And actually, I'm going to use this podcast, I want to shout out to those women <laughs> producers and engineers out there, because I think it's a lack of visibility, because there are amazingly talented women in the industry and in production and engineering. But I don't think young girls have visibility on them. And it's engineering and producing are kind of slightly obscure jobs themselves, even mm. you know, for men and women. So how do we kind of shout about it as a really amazing career mm. um, with big opportunity? And, and then obviously with my female hat on, how do we make more girls aware of it? It is about opening that up, particularly in the creative industries that are hopefully going to thrive in this era era of technology because it's what makes us fundamentally human. Mm. So you can imagine more roles. Uh, In fact, I had someone joke to me the other day that uh, they could imagine themselves in 20 years' time sitting down with their kids saying now son or now now daughter um i'd like you to make sure you study music as well as your law degree so that you have something to fall back on (laughs) so how the tables turn yeah
2: yeah and so that's takes up most of your time yes um it's quite funny to think, I mean, do you find it stressful that I mean, are there really stressful days that you have or is every day just like, you know, being in a music video?
1: <laughs> I don't
2: really know no what comment. to do with that. No. Yeah. No. Is it, so is it, I mean, what do you do to relax basically is where I'm, is where I'm going. Okay. Do, do you need to relax often? Yes.
1: Okay. <laughs> yes.
2: Um, what do you do to relax?
1: My days are very full. Um, I don't know I think running is my relaxing thing Um, that makes me sound like a fitness crazy I'm not but you know that's the time when I actually have some time to myself I have young kids I don't really do time to myself (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah I'll do that or I'll sit with friends I think there's nothing a good natter can't solve, solve. Yeah. yeah and chillaxing
2: which I, I was very impressed actually at, this, at the studios you have your own bar cafe yes we do <laughs> we're super.
1: very good at keeping that bar <laughs> well stocked <laughs> who's the coolest person you've had at the studios that you can tell us see I being Irish I've got a big YouTube fan girl <laughs> thing so it was definitely for me it was meeting Bono but okay. I mean no disrespect to anyone else who's been through the doors <laughs> but I'm lucky I get to meet a lot of very fun people the whole time so
2: we're gonna demo hum tap because i like the idea of this okay. one and in theory if this song is any good then we'll use it as the trailer we're retire <laughs> <laughs> yes we'll retire if not then it will just be released on this podcast and it will be on apple okay podcasts yep. yeah so that's how we released it so we're gonna so it's hum tap it's mm-hmm. available on all good app stores ios yes. and android yep. free to download um internationally i guess yep so anyone anyone that listens can play along at home and um, when you load it up you get this carousel of different types of music so i can choose an arabic music i can choose synth pop, 80s synth pop which sounds quite hilarious um edm hip-hop or edm2 you have recommended that i choose edm
1: i think this is where you're going to make your money <laughs>
2: <laughs> no comment on the state of EDM at the moment. <laughs> I've read loads of articles on this, actually. Okay, right. So I'm going to tap EDM, and then you tap Let's Go. So I'm going to tap Let's Go. The screen goes black. Get ready to rock. And then it wants me to hum. So I'm going to record my melody. I'm going to hold. And I'm going to... I don't know if EIO is what I should I should base it on. <sighs> What's a better one? Maybe not EIO. Gosh, the, the choice... Do you want
1: to go Twinkle Twinkle? Are we in nursery rhyme, land?
2: Twinkle Twinkle Little Star is the same as... it? No, it's not. Twinkle Twinkle is the same as... um, A, B, C. Yeah. Yeah. There's a man who knows nursery
1: rhymes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we're going to go with Twinkle Twinkle, a.k.a. A, B, C, D. A, B, C, right? So I'm going to hold... A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Close enough, I guess. I don't know. Maybe not. Close enough. All right. So I tick. I tap the tick. And then now I'm going to have to keep a beat. Oh. (laughs) So you make a beat. I feel like that guy. What's that guy with the big hair? (laughs) That has the loop. What's his name? Don't know. He's on, um, he's really cool anyway. So they have like a, he has like a loop machine. So that's this next stage is the loop. So you've got a red doom and a aqua doom. So that's what you can hear on the song. And then I can choose my speed. I can speed it up. So at the moment it's 120 BPS. Yeah. I don't know. Beats per second. There we go. Or the lingo. I'm going to speed it up. So that's 130 so it's a little bit faster which, which works and then i'm going to tap the red tick <laughs> sounds legit
1: it's a 59 <laughs> second song that i've just made you can put some uh, uh, singing don't, don't over the Don't say now. On. I'm not, not going to
2: put vocals. What we'll do, the, uh,
1: There's a. Isn't there an underwater robot or something? It's quite fun today, Yeah. yeah. Well, I can
2: change. I can change the volume. I can change the speed. So I'm going to ramp it up right, right to 140. <laughs> and everyone, everyone is buffing the head. That's how I know it's a tune. I'm going to quit my job. Oh my goodness. <laughs> It's happening. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Isabel Garvey of Abbey Road, Red and Studios and Institute. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so excited.
1: Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. I'm so excited for the future. No, it is. It's very exciting.
2: You can find Abbey Road on Twitter at Abbey Road and Instagram at Abbey Road Studios.